Please be seated. The reading is Romans chapter 15, verses 14 to 33. And this can be found on page 1142 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back of church. And page numbers for those are on the screen behind me. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet, I have written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So, from Jerusalem all the way round to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and that you will assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings... They owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favourably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much for reading that passage. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Uh, Do keep uh, Romans 15 open in front of you. Uh, We're going to spend a few minutes uh, looking at that together now. 
Uh, and why don't I pray uh, as we do so? Heavenly Father, as we've just been singing, we pray that our song will ever be that marvelous, wonderful love of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Lord, as we look at this uh, passage this morning, may that be our motivation uh, and our joy for it. Amen. Well, yesterday afternoon, I was helping with our kids' school fate. Um, I know there's lots of school fates going on at this time of year. It was good fun. For the third year in a row, we won a prize on the raffle. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's hard work winning a raffle. Um, uh, although this year's prize, I have to be honest, is a free skateboarding lesson. So, you know, if you see me with a broken leg uh, in a few weeks' time, uh, you know what's happened. Uh, but the, uh, I was there, and I was helping run some stalls, so we ran uh, the balloon pop stall, which uh, more balloons got um, popped by the winds than uh, any kids. Uh, we had the hooker duck, which, you know, kind of the peak of first summer fate stalls. Um, and then we had a tin can alley. Now, if you don't want a tin can alley, is you, get, you get ten uh, empty cans, you stack them up into a pyramid, and you get one of these old bean bags that only schools seem to possess, uh, and you lob it three times, and you have to try and knock eight cans off the table to win a prize. Uh, and it's fair to say that some of the kids needed reminding kind of what they were supposed to be aiming at. I mean, some of the adults were just dangerous. Um, but some of the kids, uh, you know, you can't have to encourage them uh, with what they're doing, that they're, you know, they're trying, they're, they're getting nearby. But they, they need to remind you what they're aiming at. And Bizarrely or not, uh, or not, that, that reminded me of the start of this passage in Romans. Okay, work with me. Um, look at verse 14, because uh, Paul's been writing this uh, long letter to the Roman church, and he says, uh, I, am mo- I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that ye yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. There's the encouragement. You're doing well. Now, verse 15 Yet I have written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again. There's a reminder of what you need to be aiming for. You see, as he's written uh, this great epistle uh, to the church in Rome, has uh, outlined the foundations of the gospel in great depths, uh, and has talked about its implications, and we've seen many of those in chapters 12 to 16, as we've been working through this call to community series, how we live out the gospel. He is uh, at the reminding them, um, as we all need reminders of the gospel again and again, uh, of their beliefs and what it means to live those out. And now here, he's beginning to wrap up uh, what he has to say. Although even in the last chapter and a half, there's, there's plenty of him to say. And it's still that encouragement that they are doing well and a reminder of what they need to aim for. And so we're going to see two aspects this morning um, of that. Uh, listen to Paul's reminder and partner with Paul's mission. So firstly, listen to Paul's reminder. It's verses 14 to 22. Uh, this whole section of... Uh, the book of Romans, shows that this is a church that, that Paul knew, uh, he deeply cared for. And it's that kind of, you get a real sense of that personal connection um, that he has with them, as well as his credentials as an apostle. 
And it's those two things together uh, that I think affect how this letter is supposed to be received. You get it right at the start of the letter. uh, 1 verse 13 is the first time he tells them he, he yearns to see them. And you see it here at the end. He starts the letter with uh, who he is as an apostle of Christ. And again here, he's reminding them of it. But the thing is, Paul, you see, has never visited this church. He didn't set it up as he did with many of the churches he wrote to. He's never visited them. And therefore, I think he wants to say and establish with them this authority uh, that he has uh, to preach to them and teach them the truths of the gospel and what it means to live them out. Now, I know uh, some, of, some people here are teachers. Uh, it's getting to that time of the year where they're uh, getting excited about summer holidays um, because they get really long summer holidays. Um, how to make friends with teachers. Um, uh, but when they go back, they'll have a whole new class that they've got to get to know. And uh, as a teacher, um, I think that there, there's one of two ways that teachers kind of get people uh, to show that they've got authority uh, and the credentials to teach them. So you have the teachers who go really, really, really strict for the first few weeks of the year and then kind of relax as the year goes on. And then you've got the teachers who try and be the mates with all the, uh, with all the kids in the hope to bring them on side. Both are just trying to get good behaviour uh, at the end of the day and show that they, can, uh, they have the authority to teach. Um, I can see you now thinking through, what was my teacher doing when I was back at school? Um, Whichever way it was, what Paul is doing here is something similar. He's trying to show that he has got the authority and the credentials to teach this church in Rome. Except, of course, he's got a far bigger authority uh, to to fall back on because he was the apostle that's that's commissioned to the Gentiles by God. And the church in Rome... Uh, was a mix of Jews and Gentiles, but had a lot of Gentiles in it. And so he shows this authority um, in three ways as he he describes his ministry. The first being that it's a priestly ministry. Look at verse 16. Say, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You see Paul saying he's, he's being a priest, not in the, the sense of an Old Testament priest, it's using that imagery, but he's not being uh, a mediator between uh, the people uh, and God. He is taking the message of God, that powerful message of salvation uh, that he has been explaining, and giving it to the people, and particularly to, to Gentiles, And I think that's part of his, as we saw in chapter 12, verse 1, if you were here, part of the way that he offers his life uh, as a spiritual offering, a sacrificial offering to God in the way he takes it out. But also, do you see here that it's a way that he, through his missionary work, is able to offer Gentiles to God as a living sacrifice. Now, remember Gentiles, and I take it pretty much all of us here are Gentiles because we're not from a Jewish background. Gentiles are completely separated in the Old Testament sacrificial system from God's people. There was no way that they were allowed in. But now, because of the Lord Jesus, 
they can be this holy, acceptable offering to God. That's why all the glory goes to Jesus in verse 17, because he's the one that's done all that's needed for this to take place, for this sacrifice to become acceptable, for Gentiles to be brought into God's people. And Paul is like the priest that's bringing that all, all, all together as he takes this gospel message out. So it's a priestly ministry. It's also a powerful ministry. Um, you see that in verses 18 and 19. Um, particularly if you're looking at verse 19. Um, so uh, let's pick it up halfway through verse... Uh, sorry, let's pick it up from the start of verse 18. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. Do you see that there was power in Paul's words and actions? It was through a powerful spirit. Uh, It's interesting, I think if Paul didn't have uh, either one of those, I don't think he'd have a ministry at all. But with both of them, it's not just a ministry, but a powerful ministry. Uh, and notice, did you see in verse 18, it's what Christ has accomplished. He recognizes where this power comes from. But he also sees the purpose of it. Uh, so the purpose of that power given to the apostle was so that he would be able to do these signs and wonders to authenticate his apostolic ministry. Because then people would listen to him. And as people listened, they would hear of the Lord Jesus. As they hear of the Lord Jesus, they're brought in to God's people. So it's a priestly ministry, it's a powerful ministry, and it's a pioneering ministry. Uh, Let's pick it up right at the end of uh, verse 19. I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Can you see that? It's it's in the whole of 19 to 22, really. Paul's ministry as as an apostle uh, to the Gentiles, he goes to places where people haven't been before to tell them about the Lord Jesus. Actually, these verses are a pretty modest summary of what Paul has done. If, you know, if you've read Acts, it's three long missionary journeys, uh, ups and downs along the way, many hearing the gospel, uh, some converted, churches planted, uh, and he summarizes it in, I just go to where people haven't heard. That's his ambition, though. It's what he was commissioned to do by the Lord Jesus on that, that road to Damascus. He was pioneering this new religion at the time, going out, He wants to make Christ known wherever he's not been heard of. So a priestly ministry, a powerful ministry, and a pioneering ministry. I think uh, we have to say much of that is unique to Paul. Uh, Obviously, we will do aspects of that, of course. We're not unlikely to to do it all. I don't think Paul's main point here uh, is to copy him. He does say that elsewhere. I think his main point is to establish his credentials and his authority to teach this church and to teach us. So that we would hear what he has to say. We would obey. And that, that's something we all need to do. I was been thinking about that this, this week. 
Isn't it interesting when people start to question the Christian faith and question what the Bible has to say, how often it begins with Paul's words? Because the words, they are countercultural to where we're living. Often written off as that was just something for that time, that place. But if we see Paul's got a ministry like this, then we, surely we can't just do that. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. He was po- appointed by God to bring this word, to proclaim this gospel. It's not just some historical self-help book. This is the word of God that is passed on through his apostle to us. And so we have to listen to Paul's words. And that includes what we've been looking at, this term in Romans And even if we're doing well, as this church was, as verse 14 says, we still need the reminders. And so, have we been listening to Paul's words this half term? Have we considered what difference this series, Call to Community, makes to our lives? Do we need to listen to his words again? Here's some of the things that we have seen this term. Uh, It's all in the context of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, by grace alone and faith alone, justified by Christ alone. But then in that, then look at what we've seen. Offer our whole lives to God's service in chapter 12. Love and serve one another, chapter 12. Submit to authorities and love your neighbor as yourself, chapter 13. Weak in faith, don't judge the strong in faith. The strong don't dismiss the weak in faith. Accept one another, as we saw last week. How much practical stuff is packed into these uh, few chapters? And what have we done about it? Even if we're doing well, we need the reminder. I know I've needed these reminders. So I'm going to give us just 30 seconds to read through that list again. Think which one has challenged you. Which one is the one that, uh, as you read through that list, you think, I need to do something about that this week, uh, or over the next few months. How has God's word spoken to you this term that it will make a difference? 30 seconds to think about that. you keep thinking those things through uh, as we leave here. We can chat to someone um, about them. There's, clearly we're not all, we can't all get these right all the time. That's why we need the grace of God. But that's not an excuse not to, through God's Spirit, be doing some of these things. So Paul's uh, pioneering ministry has uh, prevented him getting to Rome so far. Um, But uh, what we'll see is that he, in this next bit, he's praying that that will change. And he's praying that the church will partner with him. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it, given the credentials that we've seen of him. So, partner with Paul's mission, verses 23 to 33. And verses 23 to 29 summarize Paul's future plans. Now, let me use a map to try and uh, take us through this. 
Paul's probably writing from uh, Corinth, uh, which is around here. This is a modern-day map, before anyone starts questioning the countries are on it. They are now, not then, but it helps you picture it. Um, uh, and he has traveled around this area, uh, preaching the gospel and establishing churches, uh, to the point where, in verse 23, it says there's, he thinks there's kind of nothing left uh, for him to do around there. And so he intends to carry on his pioneering work elsewhere. His plan is to go to Spain, uh, over here. But he's not going to go directly. Did you spot that? As uh, the churches in the area that he has been in has, have gathered a collection for the poor church in Jerusalem. So he's going to go first, in, you see in verse 25, to Jerusalem to deliver that. Then once he's done that, he'll continue his travels. And his travels, verse 24 tells us, that will take him first to Rome and to see these Christians that he is longing to see. And and he's hoping that they will assist him as he carries on his travels. He's only going to be with them a short while. Because, as we've said, he then wants to travel on to Spain, uh, as verse 24 says. That is a a minimum, a 3,000-mile trip. Now, it's going to take Paul to some of the best-loved holiday destinations in Europe, uh, but unfortunately there's no EasyJet flights uh, in those days from Rome to Madrid, no Mediterranean cruises to take him there. This is a journey that would have been hard work. We don't know if he went by land or sea. Uh, if he'd been by sea, you know, just think that he was at the mercy of the winds uh, and the waves. It's tiring travel, but Paul wants to do it to further the gospel. And so here's his plan. Uh, and as he writes, he says, please partner, me, uh, partner with me in it. And perhaps I can put it this way. He's writing to the Roman church to build the base and reach the city. He has uh, built the base by explaining the gospel and established in those uh, core truths. He's encouraged them to reach the city of Rome, to take out that good news. And now he's going to reach the cities around the world, or around Europe, uh, with um, the good news of Jesus. That sounds like a great vision for a church. Um, So, with this vision in mind, uh, building the base, and now reaching the city with the good news, he asked for the church's help in two ways. The first of which is by provisions. Look at verse 24. I plan to do the same when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through, and that you will assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now that word assist uh, means providing provisions for a missionary on their journey, included finances, um, but it wasn't limited to that. It included all the sorts of things they might need for their journey. Clothing, uh, food, maybe an escort for part of the way. Not only are these, would these things be an encouragement to Paul, but they also showed uh, that the church was behind the work that he was doing. That they, they wanted to, to partner with him, to support him, because they saw the importance of, uh, of this work continuing. And it was often, actually, that assistance began a long-term relationship with the missionary, which is the, the best way to support uh, missionaries as churches. And Paul is actually a great example of that kind of partnership. Being and Interesting, isn't he? He's willing to ask for it as well. So give the provisions and to pray. 
uh, verse 30 to 33, he urges them to pray. And it's a, it's a very real prayer. You see, he asks for protection. I may be kept safe from unbelievers in verse 31. He asks for good relations with the church he's visiting, that the contribution may be favorably received. Verse 31, he asks uh, to pray about his travel plans, that I may come to you. Verse 32, and they'd be refreshed. Verse 32, these are great things to be praying for any missionary. Uh, and in there, in verse 32 as well, it's all by God's will. Paul knows that nothing is going to happen uh, unless it is by God's will. He is the one that's going to take this journey and bring the fruit. But as Paul does in so many case, uh, occasions, he asks people to pray for him that that would be the case. And that's through that prayer, it's that peace in verse 33 comes about. So Paul asks the church to provide for him in provisions and through prayer. They're, they're essential ingredients, really, to any missionary church, to any church who wants to send out and support missionaries. And so I think we have to ask ourselves, are we doing this? Uh, we have mission partners, eight of them. There they are, looking beautiful. Um, these are people who are sent from this church uh, to take the good news of Jesus to the UK, uh, to Europe, to Asia, to Africa, to South America. And as a church, we provide financially for them out of the church accounts. As a church, we pray regularly for them on a Sunday morning at CPGs. And isn't that brilliant? Given what we've just seen here, Paul here doing, here's why we do it as a church. Provide for them and pray for them. And I say we can also do it individually. Uh, if uh, you, you can pray for the mission partners, if you've uh, not got one of these bookmarks, there's a, a load on the welcome desk um, at the back, uh, and it's got the, the eight pictures uh, that are on the screen on it, as well as the names of our mission partners uh, and where they're serving. And why don't you grab one of these, stick it in your Bible, and commit to praying for our mission partners. Uh, when I was doing this sermon at the first service, there was uh, three of our mission partners are actually here. And as I said this, they all nodded because they value our prayers. They know how much they, they need them. Uh, they, all these mission partners produce prayer letters to help us fuel our prayers. You, if you want to sign up, speak to the church office and they'll be able to get you on the, uh, on the mailing list. You pray for our mission partners and, and provide for our mission partners. It doesn't have to be financially. Uh, but it may be sending gifts, writing letters, sending WhatsApp or Facebook messages. When, a number of these are based abroad. When they come back to the UK, come along to their updates events to hear what they're doing. It not only fuel their in prayers, but it, it greatly encourages them. It demonstrates our partnership with them. The uh, kids this morning, Jetson Explorers, they were writing notes um, for the Byrne family who are in North Africa. Um, that the team, there's a team from here going out to visit them, and they're going to take them with them. Now imagine the encouragement to that family when they get 50, 60 little notes from kids saying that we're thinking about you and praying for you. They're small things, small things to us. But to those who are on the front line of this missionary work, they're a huge encouragement. 
And let's them know that we're thinking of them. Let's them know that we value the work that they are doing. And, and can I say, if you've not met any of these people, don't worry. The church in Rome hadn't met Paul, and yet they could still provide for him and pray for him. So let's listen to Paul's reminder. Let's partner with Paul's mission. And let me finish briefly with verse 21. Paul writes, in the middle of this whole section, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. There's a quote from one of uh, Isaiah's servant songs. It's a prophecy about the suffering servant, about Jesus. Uh, Paul's saying that he is partly fulfilling this prophecy in his pioneering work. But ultimately, I think he's also saying it's all about Jesus. The, The person who reveals himself to us, who are blind, who are ignorant. You see, without Jesus, there is no gospel to be reminded of. Without Jesus, there's no mission to be undertaken. But with Jesus, there's the motivation, not just to live this out, but to take this message, to support this mission. It's like we can sing with Paul, isn't it? How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. And as we see and are gripped by how wonderful and marvelous that Savior's love is, then it's going to be totally natural for us to listen to what he has to say and to support his, Jesus's, mission of this word going out. We're all missionaries in one way or another in the places we live and work. We have this great news given to us. Let's be reminded of it and let's partner together to take that out. Let's build the base. Let's reach the city. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much once again for that marvellous, wonderful love of the Lord Jesus. Thank you that has been poured out to us. May we be gripped by him. May we be excited by him. And as we are, as we're reminded once again of that glorious gospel of grace, may we long to partner with those who are taking that message around the world. And may we be bold in speaking it ourselves too. For his praise and his glory we ask. Amen. It's always been my ambition to proclaim the gospel of Christ, to preach the gospel of Christ where Christ was not known. What a 